2: For me, if I look at Jesus, I'm thinking, at 20, why waste any more years? Come on, get in there. Go for it. No, he patiently waits for the Father's timing. By the way, God's will always includes God's timing. Jesus is not going to get ahead of the Father. Don't you get ahead of God. Just keep waiting. His timing is perfect.
0: It's frustrating to us. But his timing is perfect. As we look at the life of Jesus, it's reasonable to ask why Jesus didn't begin his ministry sooner. It seems he knew his calling at an early age, so why not begin then? Simply put, it wasn't time yet. Pastor Mark will be reminding us that God's will always includes God's timing. Just as it was with Jesus, so it is with us. Thus, at the right time, Jesus began his ministry, calling people to repentance, as well as warning them of the coming judgment. While some people don't like to hear about judgment, the story displays Jesus' love for the people in that he was willing to share the bad news alongside the good news despite the consequences. Remember, there's quite a few ways to receive a copy of Pastor Mark's teaching. We'll be sharing all that information with you at the close of today's broadcast. Now, here's Pastor Mark in the book of Luke as he continues with his message, God introduces his son to the world.
2: Lord, let us hear your lessons at the end of our service, as we do at all services, we give people an opportunity to go, okay, it's time to do things right. You can make, that's what John the Baptist saw about. that's why Jesus Christ is coming, that's why he said those words. Now, look at me for just a moment. Luke, when he writes his gospel, he summarizes John the Baptist in like one chapter. He just puts it in there, and then he doesn't talk about him except for one more time again. So we don't have the whole history of John. So in these next two verses, you see this little summary of John the Baptist. Watch how he does it. Then he's going to focus on Jesus because that's who his whole focus is. Look at verse 19. But when John rebuked Herod, one of the government leaders, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, And all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all, and he locked John the Baptist up in prison. John the Baptist, as he moved through life, was not afraid to stand up against hypocrisy in the church. You remember he did it with the Jewish leaders? Or immorality in the government. He just stood for it. And somehow, John heard about Herod, and he puts this relationship on Facebook, it goes viral. It's kind of picture of 50 shades of gray. By the way, if you know what that is and you went there, you need to repent this morning. <laughs> I'm not kidding. That is the world's picture of love, which has nothing to do with God. It's satanic. It is destroying marriages. Don't you dare go to stuff like that. Well, why is John the Baptist so mad about Herod? Well, let me explain to you what Herod did. He married his brother's wife. He he married his brother's wife. And not only that, Herodias, beside that, his brother's wife Herodias was also Herod's niece. So what is Herod committing? Adultery and incest at the same time. By the way, our world hasn't changed. It's the same. So what we see is his courageous ministry, by standing, led him to be put in prison. Now, I want you to fast forward John the Baptist's life. So John stands for the truth. He comes against Herod. And when he does that, by a hand signal this morning, those of you that know, tell me what happens to John the Baptist At the end of his life. How does John the Baptist die? Just tell me. Look around. If you don't know, look around. What are the people doing? What are they doing? Doing what? His head was chopped off. Just a week ago, Coptic Christians in Egypt. Nothing has changed. This is 2,000 years ago. Nothing has changed. Satan's goal? Steal. Kill and destroy. He said, Pastor Mark, that's a really nice history, but it has nothing to do with me. Oh, yeah, it has. That demonic stuff is in the United States and coming big time. I don't know what will happen to me. Don't look at me sad. I don't know what will happen to you. Every day, there's hundreds of Christians being killed all over the world. So here's a statement you want to write this morning. We have to understand this. We're not weak Christians today. Standing for the truth, it's absolutely costly. Don't be a wishy-washy person, but it's worth it. John the Baptist is in heaven today, but he died for it, as did 11 of the other martyrs, the apostles. Now, when you begin to think about that, I want you to keep your finger right there in Luke. Keep your finger. Put your finger right there and go forward two books. A backward two books, to the book of Matthew. Matthew, I want you to read something. Matthew 3, verse 13. Now, remember, all we know from Jesus, after he was born, he goes to Egypt quickly, then he goes up to Nazareth. And all we know from Jesus at the age of 12, he comes down to Jerusalem for one day, remember he got lost and all that kind of thing. From age 12 to 30, we know nothing of Jesus. There's not a thing in the Bible about Jesus. But watch what happens. So Jesus is somewhere around 30 years old. Look at Matthew 3, 13. First word, then. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. It's amazing to me that during those years, Jesus remained content in Nazareth. Now, if I'm looking at Jesus' ministry, I'm not patiently waiting for God to say, go, go. I'm thinking, okay, 12, 15, 19, 20, 21, 22. Okay, God, uh-huh, uh, 30, 30. So what do we learn from this? It's a huge principle. Because what I learned from Jesus, I have to practice. So here's what you going to write this morning. Jesus was patient and content with God's timing. For me, if I look at Jesus, I'm thinking, at 20, why waste any more years? Come on, get in there. Go for it. No. He patiently waits for the Father's timing. By the way, God's will always includes God's timing. Jesus is not going to get ahead of the Father. Don't you get ahead of God. Just keep waiting. His timing... Is perfect. It's frustrating to us. But his timing is perfect. So in the Old Testament, 30 was kind of the age that that priests began and so forth. So it's not an unusual kind of thing. So one day, Jesus, he hears from his Father. It's time to begin your earthly ministry. So Jesus obeyed God. He laid down his carpentry tools forever. And he walks... About 60 to 70 miles to be baptized by John the Baptist. Next thing you want to write, because this is what we have to be, Jesus was obedient. He knew obedience pleased God. See, God is not pleased with sacrifice. God is pleased with obedience. Jesus would say this later. But the world must learn that I love the Father and that I do exactly what my Father has commanded me. If I'm going to represent Jesus, if I'm going to introduce Jesus, I have to remember that following Jesus involves obedience. Now, when Jesus gets down to the Jordan, there's all kinds of people there, as you know. And he goes to John and he says to John the Baptist, I want you to baptize me. Now, you have to understand this, so clearly listen to me. We don't know exactly when John got it all together, but at this point, he didn't know for certain. He knew who Jesus was as his cousin, but he didn't know for certain that Jesus was the Messiah. He just knew that the Messiah would be somebody without sin and all this kind of stuff. So what is his reaction going to be when Jesus comes to him? Well, look at his reaction. Look at Matthew verse 14. But John tried to deter him, saying, Say what? You want me to baptize you? No, 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 no. You got it wrong. You need to be baptizing me. So why did John say that? Well, there was confusion that would be cleared up later. In the Gospel of John, God comes to John the Baptist, and he says this, I'll show you who the Messiah is. You'll know, guaranteed. Who Jesus, my son, the Messiah is. Look at the verse. It's interesting. John the Baptist speaking. I didn't know he was the one. That's why he said, I'm not baptizing you, you baptize me. But when God sent me to baptize with water, he told me. Now notice the word when. So John the Baptist is always on the outlook. When you see the Holy Spirit descending upon and resting upon someone, Aha! That one and that one alone is the one you're looking for. He is the Messiah. He is the one who will baptize you in the Holy Spirit. So, after all of this, Jesus says to John, No, I want you to baptize me. Look at the response in verse 15. Jesus replied, No, 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 no. Let it be so now. John It's proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. And John consented. So what does John do? He humbly obeys. He doesn't get it all yet because none of these signs have happened. But he simply goes, okay, he's commanding me. So it's the right thing to do. It's the right thing to do. Now go back to where I told you to keep your finger. Where is that? Luke chapter 3. Now what happens? As we go through this series, you're going to see something that you need to understand this morning. John would get it. The people would get it. Not all of them, but you need to get it. Verse 21. When all the people were being baptized, Jesus was baptized too. So what will we see as we watch Jesus being baptized? You want to write this down you'll discover that Jesus was the Messiah, the Anointed One. He was the promised Savior of the world. John the Baptist will get it. That's who we introduce to somebody. We don't listen to CNN and go, hmm, maybe this is a forgery. No, he was and he is the Messiah. Now, where is Jesus being introduced? Tell me. Is it in the temple? Hello? Remember, he's being introduced for the very first time. It's not in the temple. It's not in the synagogue. It's not in Jerusalem. Where is he being introduced? Out in the bushes, in the weeds, in the Jordan River, way away from town. Remind you of where he was introduced, like when he was born. Was he born in Jerusalem? No, born a little stable. See, it's not about the place. And by the way, when Jesus is baptized, is there anybody around Jesus? All the people are being baptized. So he said to John, let's get a, a fresh water pool right over here that's warm. Just come and baptize me. I'm special. Just put me right there. Oh, thank you very much. Bye. No, he's going to be right in there with all the people. So what did we discover from Jesus' ministry? His life was lived in the marketplace of life. I want you to write that down this morning. See, Jesus would be where unsaved people would be in the marketplace of life. Understand, we're to go to the marketplace of life and introduce unbelievers to Jesus. God is going to go to the marketplace of life and introduce his son. John the Baptist is going to introduce him in the same place. Later we'll see it's, it's rarely around church. And we think church is where we introduce people to Jesus. Well, of course we do. But that is not the primary place, Guys. Where is my marketplace? Where is your marketplace? It's my backyard. It's a coffee shop. It's a shopping mall. It's a sports field. It's a casual meeting place. It's anywhere. It's that new thing we're doing this morning where you can sign up as a business person. It's when you go in and God opens the door and you can share with them as you're fixing this or their car or doing whatever. There's been a a study that's been going on for more than 10 years in the United States. And it has more than 50,000 people that responded. And they went and they said to them, they discovered them, why did you go to church when you went to church? It was never about the building. It wasn't about advertising. 75 to 90% of these people, 50,000 people over the last 10 years, said, I went to church because someone invited me to go to church. We've forgotten that. See, people aren't going to drive by and go, wow, that's a good place to go. No, you have to invite them in the marketplace where you meet them. That's where people are searching. Again, why is CNN doing this thing on Jesus? Because people know what we have in place. Our government, dead religion is not the answer. So how are we going to survive this world? Well, his name is Jesus. This is such an exciting time for me as a pastor and for all of our pastors. I mean, do you, do you know this? Humbly can I say this, and I'll do it like this. Humbly can I say to you, we have the only answer for the world. It is not the church. It is not me. It's Jesus. There is no other answer. You have it. We have to learn to introduce him to our world because they're totally confused. Now, When you begin thinking about this, why was Jesus baptized since he had no sin? Let me give you three keys this morning. Here's the first one. Write it down. Jesus was baptized to identify with sinners, you and me, even though he was sinless. Jesus came to this earth, put skin on. So he could identify with you and me. He could take on him the sins of the whole world. Jesus came to save mankind. On the cross, he knew no sin. Became sin for us. Became sin for us. Now, I want you to imagine that day. Remember, you're there. You're Jewish. You're at the Jordan River. And I want to give you a couple of illustrations. You may have never thought about this before. Jesus came to identify with us. Back in the 70s, Calvary Chapel and many other wonderful churches, God sent a revival. It was to the hippie people in the 70s. This is a picture of Calvary Chapel. When it got started, it was just a little church, and God just used that and many other wonderful churches. This is a picture of baptism. There's Chuck Smith. All these kids. Now, these kids were hippies. How many of you ever remember hippies? Any of you remember hippies? I won't ask you how many you are one, but that's all right. What was the hippie lifestyle like in those days? Well, free love everywhere. So they're out making love to anybody and everybody. They don't care. It doesn't have anything to do with it. They're taking drugs like crazy. By the way, they're taking drugs, but they never take a bath. Am I right? Yes, I'm exactly right. Why did they do all this? Because they watched their rich parents who said money and business is the answer. Divorce, kill themselves, whatever. Into that came repentance and forgiveness of sin. Now here's the second picture. Calvary Chapel did this. Many other churches did it. Thousands of people come to Christ. Now think about as these people walked into the water. Their sins had been forgiven and forgotten. But let's just say they walked into the water with their sin. What would that look like if the sin came off in the water? Look at all the stuff. The water would be polluted with every kind of sin you and I can think about. But that wasn't true because they'd already accepted Christ and their sins were forgiven, and forgotten. So all they're doing is identifying with the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus. But let's take this same picture, and let's go back 2,000 years ago. Before Jesus goes to the cross, people's sins were just covered, never forgiven. Old Testament, blood of lambs could not forgive you. So your sin was still with you. So picture this guy out here in the white. As John the Baptist. Where is Jesus in this picture if this is back by the Jordan River? Where's Jesus? He's standing with who? All the people. And let's just picture this. What is coming off those people? Every kind of sin you can imagine. And where's Jesus? Sinless. Where is he? Right? Smack dab. What? In the middle of it. You say, well, what kind of sins would that look like? Same you look like, same mine look like. You say, Pastor Mark, would you tell me yours? No, I'm not telling you mine. Because if I tell you mine, you have to tell me yours. Is it an okay deal? Now, I want you to picture this for the very first time. Where was Jesus... 40 years before this? This is not a hard question. He was in heaven. He's 30. You got it? He's in heaven. Did heaven have any sin? Was it perfect? Was it paradise? How long had he been there? Forever. Where is he that day? Among the sinners. Waiting in Their sins. Why did he come? So he could identify with you and with me. Hallelujah. Do you understand how humbling that is? He who had no sin is among them. What an amazing picture. He didn't ask for a private baptism. He was right where the people were. He humbly honored God. What did we learn from Jesus here? Write this down this morning. Jesus humbled himself to make God look good. Philippians tells it like this. Jesus made himself no reputation. He didn't walk in the water and go, Hey, 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 I'm the one without sin here. The rest of you, too bad. He just mingled with the people. See, he made no reputation of himself. It was never about him. In fact, that scripture goes on. He humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even to the death of the cross. When we introduce people to Jesus, what can I tell them about that? As Jesus is in the middle of all those people, he was identifying with their lifestyle, their sins, Jesus would walk as a man for the next three and a half years. Even though he was God, he would walk as a man. So he knows the ups of life and the disappointments of life. Wherever you're at this morning, Jesus is not aloof. He's not this God something up there going, I don't, I don't understand what they're going through. He understands everything you're going through. And there's no one here this morning that sinned too much. Never. His grace is sufficient.
0: God's timing often seems to be at odds with ours. Jesus came to earth at just the right time in history to fulfill the prophecies made concerning Him. His obedience to the Father is an example for us. If we want to please God, we need to obey Him. Again, Jesus was content with being whatever He was prior to the time that God said it was time to begin His ministry.
3: Social media is a huge blessing that most of us use every day. We want to encourage you to become our Facebook friend and follow our Twitter feed. At the Facebook page and Twitter feed, we post information about upcoming events, discipleship articles, and encouraging quotes that will inspire you in your walk with Jesus. Log on to LessonsForLivingRadio.com and follow the links to the Calvary Chapel Melbourne Facebook page and Twitter feed.
0: Pastor Mark has been taking great pains to emphasize the importance of our obedience to God, following the example of Jesus and John the Baptist. And just like these two men, we've been called to tell others about the bad news of judgment and the good news of the Redeemer, Christ, even though the result of our obedience could result in people disliking us and even committing violence against us. Well, that's all the time we have for today's broadcast From all of the production team here at Lessons for Living, we want to say thank you for tuning in and may God bless you. And together, let's do life right.
1: Our eyes have seen and our ears have heard His Word made flesh in a hurting.